bugger's on a mission And the stakes are getting higher Other teams in the majors Don't have a prayer against the friars Greetings and welcome to the East Village Times podcast. I'm your host, James Clark, and with me today is Austin Hartsfield. What's going on, Austin? How are you doing today? I'm excited. It's postseason baseball, so that always gets me going, but it, it gets me even going even more when we have good guests. Yeah, definitely. We have a pretty good guest this afternoon. Uh, we're going to talk to Mr. Jonathan Mayo of MLB.com and MLB Pipeline. What's going on, Jonathan? How are you doing today? I got excited. Austin said you had a good guest on, and I was like wondering <laughs> who you were having on. And then I read, now I'm feeling pressure. Yeah, yeah. You have to deliver today. Austin put a lot of pressure no, on no, no, <laughs> Jonathan, you just fresh off a trip to Arizona uh, a week ago. We'd love to hear your impression on some of the Arizona Fall League action you saw, and in particular, uh, Luis Campusano, who I guess you t- saw a little bit of batting practice from. Give me your thoughts on the young catcher and what you saw from him. Yeah, unfortunately, I saw him in games, but he was only uh, he DH'd in the games I saw. So I, I've never actually seen him behind the plate. Um, you know, the, the BP is impressive. Uh, the bat speed uh, was very good. I mean, I, you know, yeah, he can be a little aggressive. But one of the things that I enjoyed in talking to him, he's got a, a swagger, I guess, a confidence that I kind of yes. like. It's not like too cocky. And, you know, you look at what he did, people can say what they want about jumping to the California League and it's hitting friendly and all those kinds of things. But you, I don't think you, you – there's no way you can't look at his numbers and see what a huge jump forward he made just in terms of sort of hitting maturity, approach at the plate, all the things that you want to see. Because this was a guy who used to swing at like everything. He still would make a lot of loud contact, but he was a little too aggressive. You know, the walks went up. He didn't strike out a ton. I mean, it's all good things. And, and he wants to be a really, really good all-around catcher. And wants to put the work in to be an all, a really good all-around catcher. I was hoping to see more of him. You know, I'm going back for the Fall Stars game in the week after, but you know, he was taken off. Uh, and so we won't get to see him anymore. Uh, but he was a guy that I... I was impressed by just how he carried himself, even you know, even when just talking to him. Yeah, he, he definitely has that that edge that you that you kind of mentioned. He he kind of has that aura that he belongs, and and that's kind of rare to see from a, a young man who just turned 21. I mean, this is a 20 year old catcher for most of the year. Uh, just turned 21 the end of last month. It's pretty exciting to see him progress so far at such a young age because catchers usually take a while to develop. Um, give me a, you know, you, you mentioned you didn't really see too much from him uh, on defense, but give me some reports that you've heard about him defensively and how he works well with with the pitchers. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's always the 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 thing that probably comes last, especially for a a young or a really young catcher. You know, the the arm strength is ridiculous, and you know he's improved just in his overall receiving and blocking. Uh, I think there's probably more to come there. You know, the arm, the arm will allow him to stay back there without any question. Uh, and I think, you know, one of the things that, that, you know, I was hoping to see and like talk to people about is if he got more time behind the plate in the fall league is catching more advanced arms, not just in terms of the better stuff, but in terms of, 
you know, when you get to pitchers in double and triple A, those pitchers have a better idea of what it is they want to do. And I think the the sort of the the balance can shift between a catcher and pitcher. You know, when you get to the point, you know, in the big leagues where established big league pitchers are really the ones calling the game. Now, if they work well with the catcher, then they're in sync. It, you usually sort of defer to the veteran pitcher in terms of how he wants the game plan. And I think that Campusano is, a, you know, getting more experience with those pitchers uh, will, will be a value. Now, he did do that. He only caught one game, but even leading leading up to uh, you know the start of the games, I'm sure he caught bullpens. I've talked to catchers who are on the taxi squad in years past in the fall league, and they barely play, but they caught a ton of bullpens. And just having the ability to catch upper level pitchers on a regular basis, especially when you know it's a guy like Campusano who's yet to play above a ball. That experience is, you know, invaluable. Now we won't know until next year to see if the lessons he learned just in in being around those pitchers and being around some of the other catchers, you know, will will rub off as he as he moves up to to Double A in 2020. Yeah, no, I, that's a that's a very good point that he is going to have an opportunity to work with older pitchers, more experienced pitchers, and kind of work pick their brains a little bit and and it's also valuable to be able to work with different coaching staffs and, and different uh, major league franchises coaches if you will and, and kind of get their uh perspective on on how to improve and stuff so we're definitely excited for the future of luis camposano uh he left camp uh early with a i guess a hip impingement uh but he was at the don wilkie classic uh earlier this week and did start and play on tuesday night's game so i, I don't know if the hip was too much of a, of a of a big deal with him or a big concern i think the Padres are just kind of playing it safe with him oh I, um, yeah always there on the side of caution i mean there's no yeah. Maybe like the Mariners, you know, Jared Kelnick had his wisdom teeth out. If this were the big leagues and it was a playoff race, he'd be back in the lineup. I think he even said, uh, you don't need your mouth to play baseball. But like, <laughs> why risk an infection? Or if he's, you know, a little bit off and he's dizzy, you know, what, anything that could happen. Like there, there's zero reason to push it at, at this point after a long and very successful uh, year, especially given how – how much of a grind it is for for a catcher at any level? Yeah, for sure. And, and most of the most of the players in the Arizona Fall League have, are coming off pretty decent, successful years. So it's just a kind of a showcase, if you will, to kind of advance their their skills and, and have to play against uh, more advanced talent. Um, let's let's transition uh, into some Padre uh, prospects, if you will. Uh, the, the Padre fans are certainly excited at Mackenzie Gore's future. Uh, there's some talk that he could be ready by next season. Uh, I'd love to see, hear your opinion on whether or not Mackenzie Gore will be ready for major league action in 2020. I've never heard of him. Sorry. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, we talk about Mackenzie Gore a lot. Uh, you know, usually I defer to to Jim Callis because he's got a whole sort of prospect romance with Mackenzie Gore. Um, but, and for good reason, I listen, I think, the Mackenzie Gore we saw this year is what we were waiting for. You know, last year he had blister issues, uh, slowed him down, didn't get enough innings. As long as he can get past that um, long term, I think he's going to be fine. When he was on the mound this year, he was ridiculous. Um, I think next year is a possibility. Some of that may depend on what's going on in San Diego and how, you know, where they, they've gone to. But I think. You know what? He'll be 21 
Um, he'll start the year in double A. I think if he, you know, has a good off season in terms of conditioning and all those kinds of things and shows up in camp and is ready to take that step forward, I think he starts the year in double A and could end it in the big leagues without any question. Now, if the Padres haven't taken another step forward and aren't like really quite there, there'd be no shame in having him say finish out the year in the minors and then be ready to to be in maybe opening day rotation or shortly thereafter if they want to wait past the whole Super 2 thing in, in 2021. He's still incredibly young, and he's not thrown that many innings. Um, I think the stuff is, you know, he could probably get some big league hitters out right now. He just needs more more reps under his belt, in my opinion. So, you know, we talked about Luis Campusano having the ability to catch higher talent arms. I talked to Luis Torrens a lot this year covering the Samarillo team. And I asked him, I was like, who is the, what is the hardest pitch that you've had to catch this year? And he told me straight up, he was like, it's not close. It's Luis Patino's fastball because sometimes it cuts, sometimes it runs. What has to happen for Luis Patino to be on Mackenzie Gore's level in this next year. He's not far behind. I mean, what do we have him at 30 now in our top 100? Um, sure. Yeah. So, I, like, he's not that far behind, to be honest with you. Uh, I think, you know, I don't know that there's much that he has to do. He, he's right around the same level. I think because Gore is bigger and left-handed, maybe it's better command, but they're not. I mean, it, that's a pretty good one and one A in terms of pitching prospects in, in a system. Um, you know, there's always going to be a little bit of a, well, Patino's not the, the biggest guy in the world. He also has not thrown a ton of innings. What, you know, he finished under 100 this year. I think you want to see him, you know, be able to get a, a, a larger workload under his belt. He's the kind of guy that if he say he's in double and he moves up to triple A next year, let's say he starts here in double A, he's in triple A and the Padres are competing. You could short him up, shorten him up and put him in the bullpen short term. I think long term, he's very much a starter because he's athletic and he's strong enough. He's shown the ability to carry his stuff deep into starts. Uh, he just needs more innings um, and he needs to show that he can hold up under the, you know, uh, under the the strain of a, a full workload as a, as, a, as a starting pitcher. That's it. There's not much. I don't think there's that much separating the two of them. Uh, and there's not much separating either of them from them being ready to help out in San Diego. Yeah, no, I agree. Patino's pretty impressive. Uh, how much did his stock boost with his performance in the MLB Futures game? Well, listen, I mean, that's one outing. Yeah, you know, so I think it, it just kind of caught everybody's attention, I think, just seeing him yeah. blowing batters away with 98-mile-per-hour fastballs. I, I think he was probably the guy who helped himself the most in the futures game listen if you're in the futures game you're good but he was a guy who was always like intriguing um you know but you didn't know what he was he you know he he hadn't pitched above a ball he was really you know young he still is really young um so all those things you know and then he came and just came into a situation where it, a young pitcher could have come in and been a little nervous or tried to overthrow, and he just dominated. Like he clearly loved that spotlight. So I think all of those things added to it. I mean, it's not that he, we were unaware of him. I think he, at the start of the year he was 48 on our top 100. No, it's you know I think it was the year he had last year in his full season debut that put him on the map. That futures game performance I think cemented it, and then introduced him to a much wider audience and probably got 
uh, even the sort of more casual Padres fan who may not pay as close attention to the farm system, uh, excited for his eventual arrival. For sure. Uh, speaking of futures game, uh, Taylor Trammell uh, was arrived in San Diego this season. Uh, fans were a little upset being that Framiel Reyes was uh, the big part of the trade uh, to Cleveland in, in landing Trammell. Uh, give me your thoughts on on uh, Taylor Trammell. I, I talked to him this week at the Don Welke Classic. Very impressive young man. Uh, give me some thoughts on Trammell moving forward uh, in a San Diego Padre uniform. So I have to sort of start with the admission that I have a bias. Um, okay. I am a huge Taylor Trammell fan. It goes well beyond his many tools on the field. He's one of my favorite people prospects ever to talk to he's the kind of guy you do, you do an interview and then you sit and you realize you've been talking for a half an hour just talking <laughs> um he's that kind of guy Padres fans are going to love him and I understand that Framiel Reyes was very very popular and he was productive um and you people probably looked at Tramel's numbers and thought what I don't I don't get it yeah, yeah. I think that he is going to figure it out he has all of the tools and he's young. He just turned 22. You know, so even if he goes back and repeats double A, he's still way ahead of the curve. Uh, this was a guy who was a multi-sport guy in high school. So the funny thing is, I think he raised the bar really high because people expected him to come in being one of these multi-sport guys who would take a little while to figure out. And his feel for the game was better than expected. Okay. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, so out of the gate, he raised that bar. And then he, he I don't even say he stumbled a little. You know, he needs to need to work on on the swing and miss a little bit, um, and he has done that. And he draws a ton of walks, so even when he's not hitting, he gets on base. He can run. I think there's more power to come. Uh, it, it, I think he's going to figure it out. And you know, you have a system that does not have much in the way of true center fielders, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and he can play center. Um, now, you know what, how that mixes in with the outfield mix in the big leagues. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, even you know, some maybe it takes him another year. Maybe he's ready. End of you know, end of 2020. I don't know. You know, maybe 2021 is more more likely where he's still going to be pretty young. Um, and he's capable of playing an outfield corner also. You know, so it's not. Um, I wouldn't put him in right because uh, the arm is the only tool that's not really, really good. But he can cover a lot of ground. And I know in San Diego, you need outfielders in all three spots who can can cover ground. So uh, I think that, you know, I'm not going to say he's going to make fans forget about Framiel Reyes because that's a little unfair to, to Reyes. But I think people are going to like Taylor Trammell a lot. Once he gets there, you know, we keep talking about tools, a guy, sorry, uh, a guy that has more tools than just about anybody in the system and has officially graduated, obviously, throughout the year is Fernando Tatis Jr. What can Padre fans expect from a full season of Tatis and what does his upside look like in the long term? Well, it, you know, it, it's understandable. You get a little choked up when you want to talk about Fernando Tatis. <laughs> um, <laughs> but totally, totally understandable. I, I mean, I do you, do you put a ceiling on on a guy like this? I don't I don't know that you do. Um, yeah. Cuz yes, he only played 84 games, but I don't think what he did 
is I, I don't look at what he did as anything like that he can't replicate on an annual basis. Uh, and if anything, he may get better as he refines, you know, his feel for the strike zone in the big leagues a little bit more, um, things like that. But it's it's everything, you know, the power, the speed, he can play shortstop. Um, the personality is like a 90 on the 20 to 80 scale. Um, he is a superstar. He's a superstar right now. And that he's only going to get, he's only going to get better um, because he's, he's so young. So I don't, I, I refuse to put any kind of ceiling on that. You know, I think a few years from now, uh, if he, if he looks like the best player in, in the big leagues or on in that conversation. Yep. That sounds right to me. Yeah. I, I think it's pretty safe to say that he's just scratching the surface of his potential. Um, it's it's exciting for Padre fans. They've never had a, a talent like this. Uh, Tony Gwynn was definitely a homegrown talent and, and a talent in himself, but this is a whole different ball game. And we're talking about a, a a player that's just catching the national attention and deservingly so. So uh, it's pretty exciting to talk about Fernando Tatis. Jonathan, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, we appreciate uh, picking your brain a little bit about the Padre system and about uh, what you see here and there. Uh, again, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, my, my pleasure. And I'm looking forward to, to getting back out to Arizona and you know, maybe I'll have more to say about the, the Owen Millers of the world and you know, so I can actually focus on, on what those guys are doing out there. Yeah, definitely. The, the Padres have, uh, they sent Jacob Nix out there, they sent Reggie Lawson out there, and they sent uh, Logan Driscoll out there as well. Yeah, I didn't see any. I didn't see any of those guys. And the pitching, the pitching gets hard to hone in on because you're focusing on other things. I mean, you know, I yeah. Owen Miller and Hilton Potts were both out there, but I, I don't, you know, I, I didn't see them do anything, and I wasn't out there for long enough to really be able to focus. But now I know that I'll have your 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 guys' voices in the back of my head when I'm out there. I'm like, All right, guys, <laughs> awesome. Padres were out here. Awesome. We'll 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 look forward to picking your brain uh, shortly. Then about those guys uh, when you return back uh, to Phoenix. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Welcome back, folks, uh, to episode number one hundred and nine of the EVT podcast. Uh, we are pleased to bring Jason Panini here from uh, co-founder Prospects Live. is is doing some great work over there. has a, has his finger on the, on the pulse of of the Arizona baseball. Has spent many times driving up and down the one hundred and one loop, uh, visiting many <laughs> stadiums. Uh, what's going on, Jason? How are you doing? You know, I'm I'm doing good. I just got off a game at in Mesa. Got got to see some AFL tonight, and you know, yesterday I got to see Michael Kopech throw some heat and instruct. So I'm sort oh. of living the living the life out here in Phoenix. It's been great. Yeah, it, it's a great time of the year in, in in Phoenix. It really is this 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 time of the year, right? I mean, people think baseball kind of dies, but you guys get a a nice glimpse of these young prospects and, and young developing players, and a good time to be uh to be a, in uh, in Arizona, right? I love September, October in Phoenix because it's sort of like baseball overload. Like you have the end of the regular season, playoffs are starting at the major league level, and then all this minor league stuff is still happening in Arizona. And it's just, it's awesome. You get kind of a convergence of all these scouts you know, who are scattered around the country, but now they all descend on Phoenix to get the you know last vestiges of uh, live baseball out here. So it's pretty great. I, I love this time here. For sure. Well, let, let's get right into it. Let's talk about some of the J2 prospects for the Padres this season. Uh, they signed four young players that are, I guess, the most uh, noticeable, if, if you will. Um, let's start with Re- Reginald Preciado, uh, infielder. I saw a little bit of batting practice from him this week. Uh, he was at uh, in San Diego at Peckle Park at the Don Wilkie Classic, in which the Padres prospects played uh, the Rangers prospects. 
So I saw a little bit of his batting practice. So he's very impressive, impressive size, impressive bat speed. Give me your thoughts of Preciado and what you saw him uh, from him this season. Yeah, so um, I saw the Padres team a handful of times in instructs, and the th- I think uh, the thing about Preciado is it's a very like clean, projectable body, and um, you look at a you look at this kid. He's only like sixteen and a half right now, so he's super young, and I think he's six two, six three, something like that. And you can just imagine all the extra muscle he's going to add to his frame. And um, I also wanted to bring up the point of this guy is a switch hitter and just has really impressive bat control. Um, he's facing kids and in instructs that they're up to like the A ball or high A level. So they're several years older than him and he's looked very good. They're Hasn't been a lot of swing and miss at all in my looks. I've seen him hit righty. I've seen him hit lefty. Um, just impressive bat-to-ball skills. And I would I would go as far to say as like one of the more, maybe the most polished of the J2 bats that I've seen out here in Arizona. And um, he's looked pretty good at third. He's split time between third base and shortstop in my looks. But I think long term, this guy, this is a guy who is going to end up at third. Pretty solid defense. Um, I don't think he's going to be a special defender, but I think he's going to be a guy who definitely will do enough to stick at third. And I think he has the arm to stick there too. Um, yeah, definitely. So you know, I'm. This is this could be a really good player. You know, if I had to write up a report on what I'd seen so far, I think I'd probably write him up as a roll 50 everyday player and if you're getting that and you're you know 1.2 million sign out of panama I mean that's pretty good value i'd say so i i love preciado i think he's he's probably the top out of these four guys for me but he, he's the guy i'm most excited about um if i were a padres fan has he looked pretty good from both sides of the plate from what you've seen yeah i mean he's he's batted more lefty just due to facing more righties but um i think the the swing looks pretty good from both sides and i don't think uh platoon splits will be an issue at least you know from the limited at bats that i've seen talk to me about medina i mean a guy that's got 93 to 97 at 16 years old what's impressed you the most about him on the mound yeah i mean it really is the heat i think that's his calling card and um that's interesting you had him up to 96 i i saw him like 93 to 95 the days that um, I saw him out there. And uh, he also has a curve. I think that's probably his best secondary is his curveball. Uh, I had that in the low 80s. And, um, you know, he's 16, so he's young. It wasn't necessarily consistent looks that I had. But, you know, fastball, curveball. And if you're already mid-90s at age 16, then that's, that's something that's rare. I just looked at him. Honestly, I think there's a little bit of, I'd say, stiffness in his delivery. And um, when I looked at his delivery, I, I kind of thought this guy is some, might be a reliever long term. Like, it's not like Gutierrez. I think Gutierrez is, uh, while he doesn't throw as hard, I actually like his mechanics a little better. It's more cleaner, kind of easy follow through straight to home. Um, with Medina, I'd say his momentum is below average. Like, it's a little bit herky-jerky on the way home. That's not to say that I don't like him or that this was necessarily a bad sign. I just view him as a guy who really has a shot to be a reliever in some capacity, whether that's middle relief, 
or potentially even high leverage. Um, and like you said, he's young, so it's within within the realm of possible that this guy could be, you know, touching high nineties as he adds weight, further fills out. So that's exciting. I mean, I don't want to say closer necessarily. High leverage is definitely within the realm of possible for this guy. So the fastball command is there, though, right? Like, when you have heat like that, I feel like sometimes guys can't locate as much. How did you, what did you see from this fastball command from, uh, from that standpoint? Yeah, I mean, these were short outings, but um, he located it at least okay in my looks. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard the same, same comps with him, I guess, that, he could project as a reliever. There's issues with his off-speed stuff and consistency and stuff. Um, it's interesting that you mentioned Gutierrez as a, as a much cleaner pitcher, much more advanced mechanically. Um, I've also heard that he's pretty advanced in his in his pitch location and, and his usage of, of his off-speed pitches is uh, curve and change. Did you see any off-speed from Gutierrez? And, and what was his fastball velocity that, that you had? Or did you get any fastball velocity on him? He was like 85 to 88 with his fastball. And okay. I know it doesn't necessarily sound sexy, but he's also yeah. a lefty, and he's... And he's 16, at... too, right? I mean, he's 16, so we got to take that to, to consideration. Yeah, he's also 16, so I think you're hoping he becomes, like, a back-end starter. And mm-hmm. he also has more pitchability than, than Medina, I would say. So, I mean, there's different aspects about these guys that are positive and negative. Um, so, I guess in a sense... You could say that, you know, having the pitchability with um, Gutierrez has a, also has a curveball and a changeup that I saw him mixing in. So I, I just thought in general he had better feel for his secondaries and um, was more of a, a feel pitcher than maybe. So, so you'd kind of label him kind of a, as a classic lefty, if you will, kind of a kind of pitch backwards type of lower velocity type pitcher, if you will. Lower. Yeah, like. More feel, better sequencing, okay. Um, okay. that type of thing. He's going to keep you off balance, work but the he, fastball he, around. and He seems to be the, the type that will be able to advance as a starting pitcher, though, because of his pitch mix, right? Or At least in the lower minor league levels. I'd say so. Um, okay. I think, you, okay. I mean, with, with his present stuff, it's kind of hard to be like, this guy projects yeah. as in a bullpen <laughs> role. But uh-huh. like, just imagine this kid in the US, he'd be a sophomore in high school. And the same with Medina. Like these kids would both be huge draft prospects if they were, you know, if they were out here in the United States. And um, I, I think it's kind of funny to take them out of that context and then thrust them into instructs where, you know, uh, if you took a, a sophomore in high school and put him into an instructs game, he'd be totally overmatched. Neither of these guys looked totally overmatched to me. So, you know, I'm I'm probably overly critical in my assessments of them because it's it's sort of hard to be just remind yourself like how young these guys are and that they are facing kids that are literally like four or some are four or five years older. So um, you kind of have to just keep that in the back of your mind. Yeah, we really do. Like we have to realize these kids, these are young kids. Like you said, they would be sophomores in high school. I mean, these are 16 year old kids in on Medina, you know, he's throwing 95 miles per hour. And from what you've said, he's locating pretty well. It's pretty insane. Yeah. <laughs> like, you would see. No one would say that if they saw a sophomore in high school, you know? Yeah. yeah. It, 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 just, it just cracks me up, the fact that we have to put this into perspective for people. 
because this is just a 16-year-old kid. He would just be learning how to drive. He would just get his license at this point in the U.S. It's it's just insane to me. But, all right, so we've touched on the other three. When we go to Menya, what seems to be the all the reports is he's a really instinctive outfielder. Is that kind of what you've gotten from him so far? Yeah, I'd say, like, the thing that stood out to me about Mena is he just looks really smooth. Like, there's sort of, like, a fluidity fluidity to his motion, like, as he's moving around in center. Um, he made a pretty good throw to end one of the Instructs games. Just, you know, I wouldn't even say it was incredibly hard. Like, it was more accurate than strong, but he made a really good throw to um, gun one of the Rangers. I, I'm blanking on which Texas Ranger it was, but he threw out a Ranger at home to end one of the games. And it was just like, okay, like good clean arm action. And that was a dart to home. So it, it was an impressive throw. I mean, just seeing him move around in the outfield, it's just, I didn't see enough to be like, man, he's an instinctive defender. I don't doubt those reports. I just, kind of saw fluidity of motion and um, how he moved around out there. So, yeah, he's he's exciting, too. I, you know, it, like, I, I try to always compare these guys to each other. I, I think that Preciado has a better chance to hit, and but that doesn't mean I don't like Mena. Like, I, I saw Mena take a few balls off of one was a 103 that exit below the other way, and you know, he isn't a slouch either. Both of these guys have just kind of projectable bodies where you could see them adding a bunch of good weight, you know, Mena and Preciado. So I think they're exciting. You know, I'm I'm definitely not willing to write off Mena as a you know kind of roll fifty everyday player. Um, you know, I don't I don't think either of these guys are stars. Like I, I also saw Oakland and they have Robert Poisson, who, you know, was a, a $5 million sign. And he's like just he was a little more explosive, a little more twitchy. And that's not to down talk to either of the Padres guys. But um, I just don't see them as having as high of a ceiling as Poisson does. And, um, you know, it doesn't mean that they still both, I think, have something that something like everyday ceilings, which is incredibly valuable player. Um, it's interesting. I feel like, you know, I looked at what the Padres did in the aggregate, and they made this effort to spread their money across four guys rather than, you know, um, Oakland and uh, Texas and the Royals. They they kind of threw higher dollars at one player, and that one guy was the centerpiece of their J2 class. So, I don't know. It's just kind of interesting to... Um, compare the strategies of the of the various teams and you know we'll we'll see if it pays off if they i feel like if the padres get two everyday players or even if they get one roll 50 and one roll 40 out of these out of these guys you know are they better off than the team that maybe gets one above average regular i don't know like this is like these are the questions that you have to ask yourself uh, when you kind of look at the J2 class as a whole. Yeah, it's interesting that they didn't put all their eggs in one basket and they kind of spread it around, like you say. Uh, hoping that, you know, I mean, at this age, at that age, most of these players are lottery tickets and it's kind of, un, you know, some do have a certain more, they're, 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 they're going to make it. You can just feel by their pedigree. But 
there's others that are on the cusp of, of, of even making the major leagues, and, and it's interesting to see that they put put some money out in, in four different men. Um, let, let's talk about Junior Perez. You and I and Austin talked about him a little bit before we started podcasting. Uh, he's a J2 guy from uh, two, seasons, two seasons ago, 2017, I believe. Uh, Dominican outfielder, played his first couple seasons in the DSL, uh, played in the AZL this summer. Uh, was pretty impressive, put up some decent uh, numbers. Uh, give me your thoughts on, on Perez, just so the fans can kind of be aware of, uh, of the type of player he is. Yeah, well, first of all, he was really young for his level, too. And um, this this seems to be a trend among all of the Padres affiliates. Like, I was looking at their Cal League roster, and actually, when I looked at the Cal League, they had, like, five, they had the five youngest qualified hitters were all Padres mm-hmm. Cal mm-hmm. League, which I was, like, it, kind of blown it, away by when I noticed that. Yeah, um, they did the same thing in Fort Wayne as well. Uh, Justin Texas Lopez League. has been down there for two years. <laughs> Texas Pretty League. much across the board, like yeah. they have young, they have young prospects everywhere, and I was like, "Holy!" Can I swear on this podcast? I was like, "Holy, holy yeah. crap!" Like, there's yeah. just they're young all over the place. But Junior Perez was also pretty young for his level. He was 17 for most of the season. I forgot when his birthday was, but I think he just recently turned 18. Um, and you know, I liked his play in the outfield. He seemed aggressive, like. I saw this ball that was hit into the gap, and it was in the right center gap. Perez was in right, Solarte was in center, and um, it was sort of a ball that either of them could have gotten to, and Perez just took charge, and uh, I liked his assertive, aggressive play in the outfield. Uh, at the plate, he just he flashed, I'd say 55, like above average raw power, a batting practice that I saw. And, this was sort of interesting. So this was a batting practice for an instructs. And um, do you guys know how like they do BP out in the KBO? Like they actually will, they'll have live pitchers come in and like throw off speed and um, breaking really? balls and stuff like that. So the Padres, this is something that I saw the Padres like adopting in their instructs. Like, so they had pitching coaches come out and not only just throw fastballs, but they would throw like breaking stuff off speed just to keep the hitters on their toes off balance and um yeah in this bp i'm like watching junior perez and uses lower half really well he has this like well-proportioned strong baseball frame and he's flashing 55 raw in bp um like i said i just really liked how he uses lower half and i just felt like he was able to generate power without needing to sell out for it um, then I see him in game and there was a little bit of swing and miss on spin in game, which I think is a concern, but, um, you know, I look at the swing, I think he'll be able to at least hit for decent power, I think it's a power over hit prospect. And, you know, if you get something at the end of the day, that's like a 40 hit 50 power. Um, cause you know, I'm, I'm kind of thinking, well, he has 55 raw and not all of that's going to play in games. So maybe. 50, maybe he's like a 50, av- you know, major league average raw power type guy, you know, still a pretty good player. Um, yeah, I just, I view him as someone who could be like a fourth outfielder type and um, it's a pretty good player. So yeah, there's uh, <laughs> just, you guys are loaded. And um, I think, <laughs> I, I think it's so fun interacting with Padres Twitter just because like compared to some of the other fan bases, I'll 
tweet something kind of minor about the Padres and you know Padres fans just scoop that shit up and they love yeah, it. So they love it. <laughs> it's awesome. And you know, certain other teams, you know, if I I don't want to throw another fan base under the bus, but I'll tweet something else about another team and there's like literally no response. I'm like, yeah. okay, I guess no one really cared that I tweeted it. <laughs> yeah. Say what you want about Padres Twitter, but they are interactive. They will they definitely are a passionate interact. Bunch. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, we were talking about how young a lot of these guys are. I mean, I sat in the Texas League this year covering the Samarillo team, and at one point, uh, Adrian Morahone, who's 20, was here. Mackenzie Gore, obviously, who everybody knows. If we, if you've listened to one episode of this podcast that I absolutely adore and is absolutely spectacular. And then Luis Pino, 19 years old here, too. Like, it's just amazing. Have you seen anybody else, Padres prospect-wise, really stood out to you? Um, in general, or like, oh, okay, well, the cop-out answer is like, yeah, like, have have you guys heard of C.J. Abrams? I guess yeah. <laughs> like, he's okay, uh, but no, like, Abrams is, I'm, I'm like, in the process of writing up my AZL top prospect list, and Abrams I have at number two right after Marco Luciano, and whew, both of those guys I have as roll 60s, so like, you know, I'm, I'm projecting them to be a star basically like I, I think abrams is so safe he just has insane bat to ball ability and um you know 70 runner twitchy i think he has a shot to stick at short and if he doesn't then he could be above average in center and like that's just crazy that if your ball if your fallback plan is you know center field either way oh. you're an up the middle position player and you're going to add huge value so you know, in, in some respects, I'm like, well, his speed would play so well in center that I don't think that would really put much of a dent in his value at all. So, you know, this this guy's super exciting. Um, I've, did I've you, seen did you see much of Hudson Head when you were there? Uh, well, I saw Hudson Head last year in AFL. And, uh, okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I like, or uh, yeah, oh, sorry, um, I thought you meant. Hudson Potts. I was thinking Hudson Potts. Um, oh, but yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I did see Hudson Head. Um, really, really good athlete. You know, going to add weight too. He's one of the younger players in their draft class. And um, he, he creates just good separation. Like he kind of keeps his hands high in his swing. And he has good bat speed too. You know, like I saw Head and Abrams in the same game several times. And, you know, Abrams is known for having really good bat speed. And then I would see head come up like a couple hitters later. And I'm like, man, like that bat speed pretty much approximates to that of CJ Abrams. So both those guys have plus bat speed and, um, you know, like head just the week I saw Padres one, I think head like hit like 500, like he was hitting everything. And when I wrote up the Padres post, I'm like, I don't even have a runtime on this guy because he just keeps hitting lasers all over the place. And like, I, I didn't get a run on him. Like, he looks like he's like above average, maybe plus. He runs pretty well, but I don't know that because like he was just hitting, hitting balls all over the park. And um, I think it's going to be a like pull, you know, more so pull heavy approach, but he did show the ability to kind of keep his hands in and go go opposite field on occasion. Um, and he's a little more raw in the outfield, but um, I think he's a guy who projects as something like an average center fielder. And, 
you know, considering that he's a third round pick, I think that was a coup in the draft. I, I mean, I was sort of shocked that he fell that far and, you know, kudos to the Padres. Interesting strategy. You know, he was a very much overslot guy um, for where he went. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty stoked about head. Uh, I, I wrote him up as a 50. I think he's going to be an everyday player for the Padres. And, yeah. um, you know, I think he's maybe in the top 10 or 12 on my, on my upcoming AZL list. Awesome. Awesome. It's not, it's not often you're able to get a first round talent with third round pick though. You got to give kudos to the Padres for, for spending that 3 million on him and, and, and just go an extra mile. It's, it's a, he's an impressive young man. I saw him as well as the Don, at the Don Wilkie Classic. I uh, had an opportunity to talk to him a little bit. Just an impressive young man. Not really in awe of, of where he is and just kind of focused on, on getting better. And that's what you like to see from, from young men. Um, any chance that you saw Joshua Mears when you were down there uh, or while you were in, in Arizona as well? Yeah, I did. I saw Mears as well because you know, he was on the same Padres one team. This is like loaded for rookie. Yeah, that was a loaded like, squad. We had we had Abrams, Mears, and Head on the same team. I'm like in heaven because you know you could be sitting on another team and not have one guy on the whole roster that's you know as good as any of them. So yeah, yeah, that's that was about as loaded as a, of a rookie ball team as you're gonna see. Um, yeah, so Mears is just this like physical specimen. Like I looked at him and I'm like. I was just like doing mental math in my head. Like, you know, the, the meme that floats around on Twitter of, um, uh, what's his name from the hangover doing the math. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> I was doing that at the field and I'm like, what percent body fat is. Is? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, I think he is like three or 4%. Like he's a literal tank and, um, really strong guy. When I saw him, I saw him like a little bit earlier and like, I didn't think he was necessarily tapping into like his power in game as much, but you know, this was a small sample too. And um, I want to pimp like one of the things on prospects live, which is miners graphs. And if you go into the website, um, there's a section kind of like halfway down the page and you can look at different like trend graphs on the players and um one of the things that I saw in Instructs was I thought I saw Mears was elevating the ball a little better. So, like, I went back and I, I checked on Miner's graphs, and what you can do is you can look at, like, rolling averages of uh, different metrics. And I looked at a rolling average of his average fly ball distance over the course of the season, and uh, Mears was just elevating the ball better as the season progressed. And that was something that I thought was pretty encouraging because he is really strong and he has big raw power, like at least 60, maybe more. Um, and I saw him play out in right field. Um, I would say one of my concerns with his profile overall is he's strong. And I'm like, well, what if he gets bigger? Cause he's like, he's not that old either. And it's possible. I think that he might add weight. It would kind of move him out of the outfield and force him to more of like a first base role in which case okay now all of a sudden you have a higher offensive bar you have to clear you know with obviously to be a first baseman you're going to have to literally hit 30 30 plus home runs hit for a good average etc um whereas if he's in right there's a little bit of a lower bar um i also i liked his arm in right field 
um, made a good throw in one of the, the games during the summer. Um, you know, exciting player. I think all in all, he moved well for his size. He's definitely he's definitely um, a better runner underway, which is to say, I think he's probably average underway and below average out of the box. Is like he has this swing, which is a really strong, powerful swing, but his follow through kind of brings him back toward the catcher. So like the run times I got for him weren't great, but then I would see him like hit a double and like when he was underway, the underway speed was better than like the initial first is what I would say. Um, so, you know, he's a good athlete and um, I, I wrote him up as a 40. I think he's a, I think he's a guy who could be like, a, you know, maybe some kind of platoon player and, um, you know, maybe I'm selling him short. I, I think he has everyday upside, but to write him up as an everyday player, I have to see a little more with the bat, a little more. Um, I, I, I would need for him to make me believe that he's going to get the power. And that's not to say that it's impossible, but from what I saw in the the five-game sample that I set on Padres 1, um, you know, I didn't see it consistent. So, yeah, that's basically my assessment. Nice. I mean, there's there's definitely some offensive tools on that uh, Padres one team. Um, before we get out of here, uh, last question: Any pitchers that stood out uh, in your mind uh, on those Padres teams that you were able to, to see? Any of the young uh, teenage pitchers that were out there? Yeah, I mean, one one dude who I I like and I think is a little underrated is Miguel Rondon, and he's this undersized okay. uh, Venezuelan kid and. He's probably like 5'11 and um, thin body. Uh, he looked very good when I saw him in AZL. And um, when I wrote up a post on the Padres, I, I really thought he had like back end starter potential. He was flashing three pitches. He was like not crazy overpowering, but I think he was like 90 to 92. With, and I, he may have touched 93 or 94, but. I just looked at his frame and I'm like, this kid's 18. He's really thin. I think he can add weight. And, you know, like pitchers who are taller are going to get labeled projectable. You know, if you're 6'3 to 6'5, that's sort of like, you know, the sweet spot for a pitcher. And uh, teams are going to go after those guys just because they have more body projection. I don't think, I don't think Rondon is like immensely projectable, but. There's some body projection left there, and I could see him like getting to more like 92 to 94. And he just has his bulldog mentality from the mound. He's going after hitters. I love his, you know, attack approach. He sequenced really interesting. Like he, um, he would routinely pitch backwards, like curve. He would he would go like curve, change, then fastball, and like just odd sequencing, like. The hitters looked pretty consistently off-balance. So, um, uh, nice. That's, that's advanced stuff for, for an 18-year-old. You'd like to see that for sure. Yeah, like, the fastball wasn't crazy. Like, he wasn't bringing high 90s heat, but, like, just his ability to, like, sequence in a unique way, like, kept uh-huh. guys off-balance. Um, I saw him again in Instructs, and he, he looked a little bit worn down, but, you know, like, I get it happens. For me, it was just somewhat of a red flag in terms of, like, will this kid add a strength to be able to pitch for a full season? And you know, 
to some degree, you have to stand by your initial assessment and think that, you know, I saw someone who has a chance to be a back-end starter. It doesn't mean he's going to get there. Um, so, like, I'm sort of hedging bets, and, like, if I had to write him up, I'd say this guy's a, a roll 35. Like, a 40 would be, like, you're, feeling, you're writing him as a back-end starter. A 35, I'm kind of saying I, he has a shot to get there, but I have concerns. I don't know, like, one or two things need to go his way in order um, and I think that's what it is, but that's it's still a really good picture for for an AZL guy. Yeah, for sure. There's there's so many there's just so many prospects on this team. I mean, they just seem to pull them out of out of anywhere and and everywhere. Uh, thank you so much, Jason. Your 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 insight here was just is valuable to us. It's it's awesome to to hear your impression on, on a lot of these players, and we we value it very much. Thank you so much for for joining us. Uh, Prospects Live is. The website, check them out, guys. They do great stuff. Uh, Jason is is well involved there.